Why are police photographing our license plate? What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is Marcello Rolando, and I'm your host for the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. Today, my reasonable voice is Dr. Chris Dietz. Dr. Chris Dietz, D.O., is a physician with Med Express in Charlottesville, Virginia. He attended medical school at Nova Southeastern College of Osteopathic Medicine at Nova Southeastern University in Davie, Florida. He completed his residency in internal medicine at Largo Medical Center and has been practicing medicine for the past 10 years in urgent care settings. Dr. Dietz, welcome to the Reasonable Voices radio show. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Well, it's my pleasure, and I have to say, you come with major credentials to talk about little things. So we're going to get right to it. (laughs) It seems to me the Commonwealth of Virginia seems to be having an unusually heavy season in both pollen accumulation and tick infestation. I'm just wondering, are the two by any chance related in any way? I'm not so sure that the two are related. Typically we see an increase in ticks if we've had a a very mild winter where uh, we haven't had long-term freezing temperatures. Uh-huh. But the uh, the pollen, uh, I don't uh, I don't think is, uh, is subsequently related to the, the dramatic increase that we've been seeing in, in tick-related visits. Okay, so ticks, and of course, when one talks about ticks, you think about Lyme disease. After we had arranged for you to be on the show today, I was doing my prep, but I was uh, on the road as usual, and I got a call from my wife who said she had. A tick. She found a tick on her, and um, um, she wanted me to check her out. You know, when I got home, I said, "Well, before I get home, you need because he wasn't on her in her hair. Uh, you need to check your hair, your head. You need to, uh, and you also need to take a uh, don't smash it. Take a photograph of it so uh, that you know you can show it to a doctor and they can identify. In any case, it turned out to be a lone star tick by her analysis, and uh, she's fine. But I'm just wondering. I guess we should start with, did we do the right thing as far as her tick was concerned? 
Yes, removing the tick as quickly as possible uh, without squeezing it uh, is very important. Mm -hmm. um, the, the sooner you get that tick off, uh, the better. Um, the longer it is attached, um, uh, it has a better chance of, uh, of infecting you if it's carrying a particular uh, uh, bacteria or, or protozoa mm -hmm. uh, that can infect you uh, with disease. Um, so getting them off quickly is important. Okay, and how you get them off. What about the old thing when I was growing up, they used to light a match or something to it? Or what, it, what, yeah. what do you think? <laughs> yeah, those, uh, those, those uh, folklore-type remedies for removing a tick yes. really are not recommended. I mean, there's anywhere from putting nail polish on it or petroleum jelly or using heat or a lit match to, uh, to um, get that tick to detach. Um, it's, uh, that's not the, uh, the best way to do it. Um, to remove the tick, if you're going to try and do this on your own, it's best to try and use a really fine tip tweezers mm -hmm. and you want to grasp that tick clo as close as you can as to the skin and you gently grasp at the mouth parts and with gentle traction, steady traction, slowly, continually pull on that uh, mouth parts to hopefully extract the, the tick in the mouth parts entirely from the skin. And you, you know, and uh, I think my, my wife was very fortunate in that as she described it to me, she felt something on her back and she brushed it and then realized it was a tick. My thought is, is that the tick hadn't gotten up to her, her head and of hair yet. And that's where he was heading. Do you think is that uh, the usual place, or what they? And if so, why? What What are they looking for? Well, ticks like to attach where the skin is thin, mm -hmm. um, so they will actively seek out areas uh, on the, uh, the the body where the skin is thick. That's why you don't really see ticks attached to your fingers because the skin is too thick there. So mm -hmm. they like to go where it's thin. The scalp. Um, many times they'll attach uh, uh, to the groin. The skin is thin there. If you've uh, if you've had a tick on you, it's best to uh, do a complete tick check. Whether and possibly have a friend or family member if, if you've been outside uh, and exposed or have had one on you to do a complete survey mm -hmm. uh, because they can be in areas where you can't uh, see them. Yes. Um, so it's best to have someone uh, help you out in that regard. And that, and, and I, I understand what you're saying. Uh, the that, of course, is what I did once I got home. But how does one? My wife, for instance, uh, she is very much a gardener, into flowers and gardening and planting, you know, vegetables, etc. Uh, does DEET work, for instance, or other products for ticks? Because it seems to me, if in the heat of the summer, if you're gardening and you're squatting in the garden or kneeling in the garden and you're wearing shorts. I would spray everything on the bottom half of my body. What are your thoughts? Well, that's uh, that's completely appropriate. Um, it's uh, best to try and use a uh, an insect repellent that has permethrin in it. And if you're going to be out in the garden or out um, uh, yeah, working in the yard where the grass is tall or in shrubbery, wearing some long sleeve shirts, some long pants, it's recommended that you use a good insect repellent that you can spray onto your boots, your pants, your socks to uh, help keep the ticks from actually uh, coming on to you. Additionally, if, if you've got a high tick population outside your home, you can certainly treat your lawn or garden uh, mm -hmm. with uh, some uh, tick repellents. But uh, ticks like to be uh, in these densely wooded areas where there's some tall grass, 
So trying to use the appropriate clothing, light color clothing is better than darker color clothing if you're going to be uh, outside. And in the summertime, if you're in an, in an area endemic with ticks, it's always wise to do a self-tick check as soon as you're done outside. And better yet, if you could have a friend or family examine areas where you can't visualize yeah. just to make sure. And how does the color of your clothing attract or detract ticks? They actually uh, have, uh, have the ability to detect uh, color and shadow, uh, believe it or not. And so they, uh, they prefer darker uh, areas. And so light areas, they, they tend to shy away from. Hmm. Um, so darker clothing uh, in dark areas, they like. They don't like being uh, out in the light or on light color clothing. Wow. So we're really, we're really doing battle with a guy who knows what they're doing. Ticks are, uh, you know, they're smarter than we give them credit for. Oh, uh, yes. You know, they're actively seeking you out. They're seeking out hosts because they must rely on a host to survive. Exactly. And they go through their life stages. So ticks are able to detect uh, hosts by an animal's breath, an animal's body odor. They can sense body heat. They have the ability to, to detect moisture and even vibrations. So they're out there poised and ready, waiting for something to walk by that they could latch onto and uh, try and get a, uh, get a blood meal. A blood meal, that's for sure. That's exactly it. You're up, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, I guess, but I'm certainly one of those who uh, didn't give them credit for being so smart, but clearly, well, you know, come to think of it, oh, 10 years ago or so, I had already showered and in front of the mirror, fortunately, to apply deodorant, etc., and I, I noticed I had a, a new little black mole under my right arm, in, in my armpit. You know, it was clearly a different thing I'd never seen before, and examining it closer, it was a tiny little tick, and and there he was, and how did he even get there, I don't know, but, but he uh, certainly sought out that thin, darker area, I guess, as you're describing. Okay, I'm just amazed at how, and when you stop and think about it, of, of course they are. I mean, the, the insects of all kinds, spiders, bees, whatever, they've been around a long time and they survive on various things, but for the ticks, that's our real enemy. I mean, one, you know, as far as the, the insect world is concerned, because as you say, they need our blood to survive, or the blood of our pets. What do we do about our pets? It is a wise, as, as part of a good uh, tick prevention protocol, to have your pets treated. Um, there's uh, medicine available for, for your pets um, to, uh, to treat them and uh, to decrease the likelihood of them uh, having a tick attached to them. It's always still wise, uh, if, they, if your pets have been outside for any length of time, to do a tick check on them as well. Mm -hmm. um, our pets are able to get uh, some tick-borne diseases just as humans are. So it is uh, recommended that if you have a pet that's been outside, that they can bring a tick on. The tick, the tick may not be attached to them, but they could, uh, they could certainly uh, leave the uh, the pet and latch on to you. Yes. So wise, wise to check the, the animals as well. We have two dogs, and we have something they can take internally. I believe it is and a medicine that um, is supposed to protect them. But I always say, as you just did to my wife, but I'm still going to check <laughs> and make certain. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Actually, I'm, I'm really enjoying this conversation because it's, there are things I just didn't know. 
ticks, uh, we kind of touched on this, but where are ticks commonly found outdoors? Now, I know in our backyard and gardening and all that, but you don't have to go on long hikes to get ticks, but, but they are there, yes? Yes, they are there. They're uh, in, uh, in tall grasses. They're uh, in uh, almost uh, anything outside. They like it uh, where, uh, where it's kind of dark, uh, so they'll be in shrubbery. They'll be um, in, the, in piles of leaves. Um, but uh, in the summer months, they are, they are out there. Mm. So is it true that the ticks are in trees sometimes and they, they sense, as you were saying, they sense our body heat, etc., and they just drop out of the tree onto our heads? Or is that just something my grandmama told me so I'd stop running around in the bushes? I don't know. Typically, the way a tick would, would attach to you, when they're ready to attach, many times what the tick will do is something called questing. And the tick will be on uh, the tips of uh, tall grass, and they actually attach uh, with their back legs to the blade of grass, Mm. and they have their front legs grasped open and out into the air, and they're just waiting for you to brush up against them, and they will will latch on. A tick cannot jump, uh, and it cannot fly. It has to come in direct contact with you. But when you walk by and say, you know, you're in shorts walking through grass, and it can even be just a regular lawn. It doesn't have to be tall grass. Mm-hmm. You're, you're out there in your bare feet, and you walk by, and they're out there. They're just waiting uh, for something to walk by, you, and uh, they, they will just attach to you. I, they I, grab a hold with their front legs. I am getting this such an image, and I'm not trying to be make light of it, but this thing on the, a blade of grass, how big can that be? And these front legs just waiting for you, and and we think we're so superior. And they're all set, boom, next thing you know, it's a free ride and a free drink. Wow. They're craftier than we give them credit for. Exactly. (laughs) And I guess it's obvious that the the warmer the, I know you had said something about how the, we might want to repeat that again, how the winters are affect this, but once the summer is here and the ticks are here, does it matter to them what the temperature is or how much it rains or doesn't rain in the summertime? No, uh, once the temperature warms up, um, then uh, they are out and about. The amount of uh, rain or, uh, or uh, humidity it doesn't really have much of an effect on them. They will be out and about in, uh, in any weather. Hmm. All right, let's, let's mention, and we will at the end of the next segment, but before we go to a break, let's mention where you are working because you sound like the kind of doctor I definitely want to know how to reach. You had met Express in Charlottesville, Virginia. What is that physical location or website where we can visit and find out more? The, uh, the best uh, website to use is you just go to www.medexpress.com. Okay. And there you can uh, link to a whole host of information and link up to individual centers if you choose to do so. Fantastic. All right, we're going to take a short break. This is fascinating information. I thought I knew everything about ticks, but I was wrong. Dr. Chris Dietz is here to correct me and everyone else. Uh, Stay with us. We'll be right back with our guest today, Dr. Chris Dietz, DO, a physician with MedExpress in Charlottesville, Virginia. We'll be right back. Stay with us. 
and I can't remember where I live. And she should have been able to enjoy her grandchildren. There were a lot of them that had come along. They're not touched yet, but they more than likely will be. The Alzheimer's Association has worked tirelessly to raise awareness about this disease because we also know that families that access resources like the association have better outcomes overall. And so the Alzheimer's Association has done a tremendous job um, filling the gaps for us and helping us become better providers, better caregivers for our residents. Just do what you want to do, honey. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's okay if you take off your clothes. We're getting ready to go out and you take off your clothes and now you come back with pajamas on. It's okay. And that really helped me a lot. I certainly hope and expect that within the lifetime of everybody in this room, uh, that we will be able to do a lot more for Alzheimer's disease than we're currently able to do. Support, please, the Alzheimer's Association. Thank you. Please call 1-800-272-3900. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. Our reasonable voice today is Dr. Chris Dietz. He is a physician with Med Express in Charlottesville, Virginia. And we have been talking about something that if you haven't been taking it seriously, uh, you better. And that is ticks. And we haven't mentioned really Lyme disease yet. But of course, we're going to talk about that connection. But ticks, ticks suck our blood. That's how they live. And they're out there, according to Dr. Dietz, even on a blade of grass, clinging to the grass, the blade of grass with their hind legs, with their allowing their front legs to be free to attach to us as we walk by. Dr. Dietz, what is the connection, ticks and Lyme disease? Maybe that's a silly question, but, but explain that to us, please. So um, certain ticks can be infected uh, with a bacteria that when they uh, feed off of us, the uh, saliva from the tick could have the uh, bacteria in it, and that bacteria can then be um, put into our bloodstream. Mm. And we have the, uh, the possibility of being infected with the most common one uh, that everyone knows of would be Lyme's disease. Mm -hmm. But it's not the only disease, is it? I mean, it's not the only negative impact besides losing blood and having this animal on <laughs> But there are other things. I mean, the different ticks do different things to different people. Is that, how do you make sense out of what I just said, I guess? Yes, um, Lyme's disease is not the only disease that a tick uh, can spread to a, to a human host. It can also spread Rocky Mountain Spotted Fever mm -hmm. um, and something called ehrlichiosis. Those are, are kind of the bacterial sorts of diseases that they could give us. But they can also give us some viral uh, infections as well. Mm. The one that we're seeing a, a dramatic increase in is the Powassan virus, or called the deer tick virus. Mm. And this is one that we would uh, we would be transmitted by a deer tick, and uh, endemic in, in through North America. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and again, I'm I'm not trying to be funny. So that the the deer tick is not one that if if it has was gotten off of a blade of grass, it's the deer that got it, not us. But the deer can pass it along to us like our pets. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, the uh, yeah the vector for the Lyme's disease would be the deer tick, right? Uh, the deer uh, the tick can fall off of the deer onto the grass, 
And then ah. Levine Sports next host, which should be the new one. Yes. Good heavens. Is there anything else we can do to prevent this besides staying locked up in your air-conditioned home all summer? Well, uh, prevention is key. So that's a main step of trying to avoid uh, uh, getting any sort of tick-borne illness. So using the, uh, the repellents, uh, the proper clothing, doing tick checks. But even doing all that, uh, you can still uh, uh, incur a tick bite. I think all tick bites should really be evaluated uh, by a... Uh, position. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we see these very commonly uh, at, uh, at MedExpress. Across our whole platform of over 250 neighborhood uh, medical centers, mm-hmm. and we're in 19 states, the state that I live in here, Virginia, we're number five on the list uh, oh, for right. having the most uh, tick-related uh, visits and tick-borne illness. So, um, so it's quite prevalent. So you have quite a number of people. I'm I don't necessarily need you to put a percentage on it, but you have quite a number of people uh, now this time of year coming to the Med Express in Charlottesville, and and their problem is a tick bite. Yes. Oh, yes. Wow. Yep. Wow. In the in the state of yeah, in the state of Virginia, there's nearly seventeen thousand cases of uh, of a tick borne illness each year. And with all our centers, Med Express is a, a, a pretty good portion of. Uh, of our patients being tick bites, especially now. They're just now kind of coming out and about. People are getting outside. Mm. Um, and uh, we, we, uh, we see this quite frequently. So to talk about a, a crime of convenience, I guess, just as the ticks are, are coming out, the people are going out, and there they are, they meet. I just wonder if, because I'm hearing so much about it, which is part of the reason I reached out to you, this is unusually high uh, condition with ticks that we're facing this year or is it progressively getting worse are we on the rise or does it sort of ebb and flow from year to year well MedExpress actually uh, tracks uh, uh, these uh, encounters uh, with with tick related illness or uh, tick related visits Mm. Um, and we have seen uh, an increase we tracked this through 2016 to 2017, and there was almost a 20% increase in the amount of visits that we saw wow. for uh, for tick-related visits. Yes, they will typically uh, start out in about uh, March and April. We start seeing them come in, um, and typically peaks in June. June seems to be our busiest month uh, with uh, tick-related visits. So the trend is going that way, and we um, and you've given us some sense of the how the weather can affect that is again what is it the winter has to be typically colder winters we have colder winters for a prolonged period it helps to knock down the tick population Hmm. so if we have milder winters we seem to see more ticks in the spring and summer okay all right so we now know you shouldn't crush the tick A, a health professional a medical professional should see you if you've been bitten by a tick yes Yes, I, uh, I recommend that. Um, if we can identify the tick, and if you're in an endemic area where Lyme's disease uh, would be prevalent, and we can identify that tick as either being a lone star tick or a deer tick, uh, if you're in early enough, typically within 24 hours of having that tick on you, many times uh, we will do preventative therapy to protect you from the possibility of contracting uh, Lyme's disease. We can use a, uh, 
an antibiotic if we're at all concerned about that and not wait for symptoms of Lyme disease to occur. So before we even see the physical manifestations of it, we can be more proactive. So the sooner you get in to see a provider who knows what to look for and can help identify the tick if you're able to, the uh, the, uh, the more likely that we'd be able to even prevent you from coming down uh, with Lyme disease uh, because we can do some prophylactic antibiotic for you. Mm. What about the, you keep saying a tick bite. I don't recall feeling a bite per se. What I recall is that either I see it or it starts suddenly I have an itch. What do you think? Well, how does that relate to what you are telling us? Do we ever feel a a bite or what? Usually you do not feel the bite. Okay. Um, And it's due to um, uh, the tick when it attaches its mouth parts to your skin, its saliva actually has an anesthetic built into it. Oh my goodness. So the tick will find its feeding spot, it'll grasp the skin, and actually cut into the surface of your skin. You don't feel that because it's already put its saliva on top of your skin, which is an anesthetic. And when once that area is numb, then it takes its feeding tube uh, and sticks it down into your skin and to try and find a vessel, even a small capillary. It will then kind of secrete this uh, cement around that feeding tube to help lock it into place. And on some ticks, their feeding tube actually has barbs on it, like a fish hook, so it can't retract back. The barbs actually uh, lock into the skin. And that's how it, uh, it stays attached to you. You don't feed it, you don't feel it because it's actually numbed your skin before it even uh, stuck its feeding tube into you. You know, Dr. Dietz, I have always said we should all have a healthy respect for nature because we've so encroached on it. But this tick guy, I had no idea. He, We're working with a higher intelligence, it seems to me, uh, than certainly I ever thought of. I mean, that's like a remarkable feeding machine, isn't it? It certainly is. They're, they're, crafty, uh, they're crafty little creatures, uh, and uh, they should be respected because, uh, you know, they, uh, they can uh, certainly make, make you extremely ill. Okay. What, we have a bit more t- time, but I, this is just so enlightening. What is the number one takeaway for you? What do you want us, when we stop listening today, what's the message you want us to hold on to? I, I think my overwhelming message would be, don't be afraid to go outside. Enjoy nature, but just be wise um, and try and... Uh, and be proactive at actually preventing a tick from even coming onto your onto your skin. Mm-hmm. Um, but enjoy nature. Get outside and enjoy it. Just be conscious. If you're outside, at the end of the day, you should do a tick check uh, and have someone um, look in the, the parts where you can't uh, visualize yourself. Mm-hmm. If you see it, if you see a tick, I think it's wise. You should go see a medical professional. We see this all the time at Pet Express. We're there to help. Mm-hmm. Um, and remove the tick. I've seen many patients where they've tried to remove the tick. They remove the body, yes. but not the mouth parts. Yes. So they're retained in the skin. Um, and then I can't identify the tick because uh, it, uh, they've already removed it. Prevention is key. Do surveillance to make sure, uh, if you've been out in the tick infested area, to make sure there's no ticks on you. And if you see a tick, get medical uh, professional to remove that tick safely. And then we can talk about the possibility of uh, being uh, started on some prophylactic antibiotic Mm -hmm. if we're all worried about uh, Lyme's disease. 
even if we even if it's after the 24 hour the initial 24 hour period there is medication antibiotics that can help is that what you're saying absolutely oh okay yeah. Antibiotics available, especially for Lyme's disease, and and we've had patients where I've seen uh, they've had obvious signs of Lyme's disease. They've had the rash, the flu-like symptoms, fevers, chills, muscle aches, and uh, there's testing that we can do, uh, serologic testing, so we can draw blood uh, to have it tested, and also treat uh, with the appropriate antibiotic. But uh, I think being proactive is is the most important thing. Uh, If you're not sure, seek some help. We're here to help you. And I think also you are saying, if I, if I may assume this, that it's best for the patient if somehow you uh, can bring that tick body so that the doctor can see what bit you. And that means not smashing it, or does it mean, what, what way do we kill it? If, we don't, yeah. if, uh, if you've successfully removed the tick, um, it's best to just uh, drop it in uh, a little bit of rubbing alcohol. Uh-huh. Um, you, could put it, you could put it in a little jar and bring that into us, and we can take a look at it under and uh, look at it under magnification and try and identify the tick. Um, but uh, not to not not to smash it is is crucial if we're going to try and do that. Okay, okay. Well, then I was right in telling my wife that, and she did exactly that. It was perfectly preserved, and including photo photos taken, etc. But you know, I'm reminded of my own childhood, and I guess we should mention children, doctor, and get your advice how we educate children about this, because when I was a child, I wasn't really big like uh, kids, boys in particular, who want to dig and find bugs and things, but but when I did, I found black widow spider. It was beautiful, and the red on, the, on, the, on its body, and... Um, I knew that was something bad. I'd heard something. I mean, I was a kid, but uh, and I had to do some digging to get to this thing, so I truly invaded its area and fortunately put it in a jar without being bitten uh, and took it to my parents, who, of course, knew what it was. And, and you know, there's, it's a long story, but how do we prepare our children, both with the things that we need to do for them as well as the the information we need to make certain they take seriously. I mean, it's not just tiny kids. Teenagers go out and have picnics. What do we do? Sure. I think uh, you know, educating them uh, from uh, early on is wise. Mm. Um, my uh, my children, uh, when we moved to Virginia, they knew uh, to do a tick check on themselves whenever they were outside, and they were three and four years old. Mm. Um, we would we would always examine them. And they still do that uh, today. If they're uh, out um, at the end of the day, uh, they will do a tick check. It's, and during the summertime, it's just expected uh, because you know, living in Virginia, uh, we have uh, we have ticks. Yes. Um, so, kind of just teaching them uh, the importance of surveillance. Mm-hmm. If you're outside in the summertime, at the end of the day, come home, take a shower, and just do a, a self body check to make sure uh, there's nothing attached to you. Excellent. All right. Well, on that good advice, Dr. Chris Dietz, we want to thank you so very much for being on the show. Truly, you have opened my eyes on a number of issues and points, and uh, I greatly appreciate it. And I'm sure everyone listening uh, will appreciate this, too, and act on it for our own safety, the safety of our children, our pets, and ourselves. I guess just thank you so much for all the information and all that you do. One more time, please give us uh, how to best uh, reach out to Med Express in Charlottesville, Virginia, uh, you know, if the need arises. 
the uh, the best way to contact uh, us is to just go to our website, and that's www.medexpress.com. Excellent. Thank you so much, Doctor. We hope you won't have too many uh, uh, patients with ticks, but all that uh, come to you, I hope, will come to you quickly and and uh, enjoy the benefits of your of everything you said here today. Okay. I appreciate you having me on, and I hope the information uh, was uh, was helpful to your to your listeners. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All the best. Bye now. Thank you. You too. Taking care of an Alzheimer's patient is a pretty much a full-time 50% of caregivers die uh, while they Please are caring for awareness them. about Alzheimer's and research. Just because someone's mind is being diminished does not mean that uh, the ordinary physical things don't happen. They can uh, have a sore throat and not be able to tell you. And they can have something in their eye and not be able to explain it. So you have to be aware that in every respect, life is still going on for them physically, even though you are focused on the, uh, the mental dementia, the, the person is still living a life physically and emotionally. For all those who see this video, I hope you will learn more than I ever did before you ever have to know it. That's my message. Support, please, the Alzheimer's Association. Thank you. Please call 800-272-3900. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Pardon us, Bobby, for what we've undone. What could be worse than being morally crude, sensationalizing rape, and employing might is right over different hues and points of view in the name of world without end national security? Rallying derision, igniting trade wars, and deriding taking a knee in peaceful assembly. What's worse than simmering Franklin's, if you can keep it, to boil, leaving us sweltering in supremely half-baked ideas of love thy neighbor as thyself, the golden rule, and earthly stewardship, calling in deadly uniformed force, fracturing communities with guns and fracking, family farms planted with gaseous pipeline potential? What becomes of our greatest humanitarian causes if at their peak of celeb vengeance is not ours to escalate is lost? What erupts if in justifiable passion of righteous indignation overdue for recompense our mission for justice is distorted by salacious hype? What's the worst result for Americans steeped in programmed puritanical heritage? twisting intimacy and love into a two-edged sword. From frat boys to Wall Street titans, some insist sex is their birthright, not subjugated by female decline. Others so repress and demonize it, we remain shocked to find that men we've made powerful and popular through our envy forge in media and politics, Hollywood and Silicon Valley, sports and government success stories, to which our worship recycles relentless predators of all ages, colors, and persuasions of females. 
since before the author of our Declaration of Independence sold his black children into slavery while keeping their mother for pleasure, we have been an exceptional example of an imperfect nation dominated by domineering wealth, position, and skin color, both victim and villainous perpetrator for sexual repression as well as sexual desire. What is worse than the inexcusable marauding behavior of men of power, including Republican and Democratic presidents, some worse than deplorable Clinton management of Monica Lewinsky? Allowing our sexual prejudices to refuse gay couples a piece of cake at the straight table. Sexual biases denying adults privilege of gender preference. And zealots for church and state union insisting all be born while denying all affordable health care. What's as bad as racial and gender abuse of power? Unprecedented presidential power grabs demeaning women, betraying allies, and profaning our U.S. Constitution. What's worse than institutions of higher learning turning deaf and blind to vulnerable male and female athletes being molested by athletic personnel? Anti-oral sex crusade electing Cheney Wolfowitz forever oil wars, and by extension, all the deaths physical and mental damage to thousands, and raped women serving in our American military. What denies the legitimacy of all we claim to be is as profound as not separating church and state while compartmentalizing our history by race and gender. And it is as simple as an opportunistic Craig Melvin and his quick-to-jump-on-board-for-the-easy-kill media cheerleaders reflecting more gotcha quicksand than First Amendment. Without quality education, objective media, fourth estate professionalism, empathetic executives, congressional conviction, and good Samaritan governors, balance will remain America's most elusive challenge, leaving we the people vacillating too easily as we're slipped down the slope of self-serving, salivating opportunists and strident supremacists. In the retelling of our most tragic stories, national disasters, D-Day, political assassinations, Sandy Hook, Parkland, how do we shield them from being used as talking heads cannon fodder, less interested in the honorably hashtagged than why so many took so long to notice so much that deserved our mercy, justice, and redemption? What could be worse than the arrogant dogma of a needy, unprincipled, blustering demagogue, salaciously wailing against the winds of change in search of foreign and domestic handouts from manipulative financial demigods, preoccupied with draining the half-empty demitasks of foolishness seeking salvation in a make-America-great-again sucker-punch? America's hope lying mortally wounded on the kitchen floor of the Ambassador Hotel. What's better than mass shootings, mass incarceration, and Trump's mass trials of immigration in Texas? Oregon Senator Jeff Merkley, the ACLU, and the Equal Justice Initiative's Memorial to Peace and Justice. And what would Bobby Kennedy say is our worst, fifty years later? Judging by his life, betraying our Statue of Liberty offer of freedom with internment facilities that separate refugee children from their parents yearning to breathe free. Thank you, and join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. 
Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard around the world.